Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Well, I wanted to share today about uh, with you guys about my mother. Um, she does not live here. She is from El Paso, Texas. Woo, woo. That's where I'm from. Um, I was born and raised there. And so I wanted to share a little bit about my mother with you because I always enjoy when I go hear somebody speak and there's pictures, right? Because it gives you like a little bit of like an insight. So there's going to be a little slideshow. You're welcome. So let's go ahead and roll those pictures. This is the first one. So this was in my mom's high school yearbook. And you're not seeing double. My mom is an identical twin. And my mom is the one on the left. And so I kind of look like her a little bit. Um, but what's crazy is my sister really looks like my aunt, which is on the right. And my sister and I kind of look alike. So it's kind of like we both kind of look like our moms. So um, interesting fact, um, DNA-wise, I have two moms. Um, I did the Ancestry DNA, and they both did the Ancestry DNA. And on my DNA family tree, it tells me that I have two moms because they are identical twins. So they have the same DNA. And if you want to debate me that identical twins don't have the same DNA, then let's talk about it. So... Anyway, there is my mom. Her name is Lynn. It's actually Lynette and Jeanette, but they go by Lynn and Jan. So anyways, okay, next slide. So this is my mom on the right, and again, her twin. And which one do you think is me? Which one? This is me. (laughs) That's me. So I think I'm about three or four years old right there, and uh, this was our our Methodist choir, children's choir, yet we performed in those little robes. And that's me right there. So my mom and my aunt were the choir directors. <laughs> then this is my mom and my three siblings. I have a stepsister. I'll share about her in a minute. But this is my, I'm the youngest of three. Shout out to the babies in the family. Woo-woo. And that's my mom. This was probably like in 90, 90, 91, 92, 93, somewhere in there. Next one. Oh, I found this. Okay, so this is kind of a random picture, but the reason I put this is because you can't really see, but it's, it says Mother's Day. So we made this at school. That's my school picture from like second grade or something, and we made like a little flower pot for my mom for Mother's Day, and she still has it. So there's no plant. You can see like the dead dirt. Can dirt, wait, can dirt be dead? Well, the dead plant, the dead plant. There you go. So this is my mom and I on my wedding day. So that was 15 years ago. You can do the next one. So this was on my 25th birthday. We did a, like an um, 80s theme birthday for my 25th. Can everybody see? Sorry. For my 25th birthday. And my dad, when I was a kid, he had a perm, like a real perm and, and big glasses. Like he looked like Napoleon Dynamite before Napoleon Dynamite was like ever a thing. So when he found out, I told everybody, I was like, if you're coming to my party, you have to dress up. I was trying to be a little sassy. And so... Instead of dressing up like a rock star or something, he got this picture of him with a perm and put it on a T-shirt, and then he got a Napoleon Dynamite costume, the wig and the glasses. And so this was at my 25th birthday. And my mom, actually, she still had her glasses that she wore in the 80s, and those were they were, like, real big and pink. Now they're cool again. This is right after, literally right after Mariah was born. Uh, my mom was there with me, so this was kind of like the first picture of the three generations so that was, Mariah's about to be 14. Woo, that's crazy. And then this is my mom and I, I don't know, a couple years ago. This was in El Paso at her house. You can go to the next one. I just wanted a kind of more current one. This is Elisa. So 
when Elisa was born, that was the first time I had a child where my mom was not like in the room. And so that was really hard on her. So she was like calling me every day, like, you know, is your water broke? Like, I mean, she was like, so, so curious. I was like, not yet, mom. And so literally Josh called her when we were on the way to the midwife and she was like, I'm hopping on a plane. And so she was here a couple of hours after Elisa was born. This is my mom again with her twin. And, um, my, my, aunt only has one child. It's a boy. And he moved a couple years ago to Alabama. And I told her, I was like, you're going to move with him. Just wait. She's like, oh no, I'm not. My house is paid off. And then a year later, this is them. So they, so my mom helped drive her to Alabama. It was so sad. They've lived together in the same city almost their entire life, except for a couple years when my uncle was stationed um, with the Marine Corps in Arizona. And so it was like really sad because they were moving away for the first time. So my mom helped drive her there. And then this was this past Thanksgiving. This is my amazing mother-in-law, Jean Brown here. You guys have met them. So we had in our home for the first time ever, both of our parents on um, Thanksgiving. So that was super, super cool. And there's one more. This is the same day they came to the church. My, my um, father had not seen the church yet, or maybe they had, but we just came for Friendsgiving. So I think that's the last one, right? Yay. Okay. Awesome. So um, I just wanted to say that I know that, <coughs> excuse me, I went to a ladies conference um, a couple weeks ago, and everybody was sharing their testimony, and I was sitting there, and I just thought, my goodness, I am so blessed. You know, different people of their story, and, and just some very tragic things that have happened, and and I was just thinking, wow, I am just so blessed to have the upbringing that I do, and you know, one of my earliest memories, it wasn't a happy one. It was when my parents were fighting, and we were driving in a car um, chasing my mom because she was trying to run away from him. And, and I just remember feeling panic and I can't even imagine, um, you know, what my mom was feeling in that moment. And not long after that, they ended up divorced, but no matter what, I just still have an amazingly blessed life because through all of that, through my mother being cheated on and left alone with three kids, she never stopped loving Jesus. She never blamed him. She never got angry at him. And because she continued to serve the Lord, I am today a product of the choices that my mom made Uh, 30-something years ago. So I'm just so, so blessed. So after my parents got divorced, we started attending a new church where she met my father that raised me. Um, He was the one in the picture there. And also at the same church, about 12 years later, is where I met Josh Brown. So literally, if my mom would not have continued serving the Lord, I would not have met Josh Brown. So that's pretty cool. So um, I didn't make it easy on her. I know that you guys think that I'm like really sweet now and Josh says that like I'm pure and innocent, but I was, I was a hellion as a kid, okay? I was so, like my mom would be like, don't touch that. And I would touch it and then she'd spank me and she's like, I'm serious, don't touch it. And I would like look at her and then touch it. You know, like, I don't know why I did that. Like now I'm like, oh my gosh. But, um, you know, she, she had her hands full with me and I turned five years old right before kinder started, like t- literally two days <clears throat> But she was a single mom, and she didn't have the option of not going to work. And so I cried every single day until Christmas break when she dropped me off for school. And I think about that now, and I'm like, I'm so sorry, Mom. I can't imagine how hard it must have been on her to not want to leave her baby crying but having no other choice than to go to work. So, you know, there was a couple years there that I tested her, par- her patience and probably her salvation. But, you know, she never gave up on the Lord and she never gave up on me. And so I'm, I'm so glad that, and you know, maybe now I'm sowing, I mean, I'm reaping a little bit of what I sowed in those years and I'm trying to repent for it. So Mike, I mean, I could be kidding, but I'm, I'm really not. So, but you know, I know my mom pretty well, you know, she would say that zero credit is due to her for my life and how I am now. And she would even say when we were kids, like we'd, we'd get all A's and stuff. She'd say, you didn't get that for me. I got C's, you know, in school. Um, but 
no matter what she says, she's 100% wrong. I got so much of who I am today from my mom. She even sings. You saw that she was my first um, choir director, and she plays the piano too. So I do have some traits just right there from my mom. So I've learned a whole bunch from her, whether it was a lesson that she was trying to teach me or just by being faithful and serving the Lord and living according to his ways. So we see in in Titus chapter 2, Um, where Paul is admonishing the church um, on good relationships. Sorry, guys, I'm like super parched. Okay. Gosh, I'm so parched. Okay. Um, But he's talking about teaching and the relationships that people in the church should have together. And specifically in verses three through five, he's encouraging that the older women would be teachers to the younger women in all aspects of life. And, you know, likewise in Job uh, 12, 12, it says, it is not, um, is not wisdom found among the age does not long life bring understanding. And it's so true. There is so much wisdom to be found in the generation above us, whether it's a parent, a coworker, a boss, whatever it might be. You know, there is... It's not only wise to seek counsel from people who've been through it, it's biblical. We see it right here. So, you know, even if it's somebody that's only a year or two ahead of you or could even possibly be younger than you, but they've gone through a season of life like motherhood or something like that that you haven't, there's just so much wisdom in just the community and doing life together and learning um, from one another. So I think that's a very important thing to remember. But if I had to narrow down the best lessons that I've learned from my mom down to just a few things so that we're not here all day, I would say these are the top three that make the list. So the first thing I would say is that my mom has taught me to stand against injustice or those who can't speak for themselves. When I was a kid, I was so shy. I would not even go up to like the counter at McDonald's and ask for ketchup. I know that's kind of weird for y'all to think about now, but I would say like, mom, I want ketchup. And she'd say, go ask. And I'd say, no. And then I would eat without ketchup. Like I would not, if she wasn't going to get it for me, I was not doing it myself. And so, you know, that kind of spilled over sometimes when we would be in school. My brother got picked on quite a bit when he was in school and she would march on up there and she would have a word with people, you know, and, and try to figure out what's going on. But she would admit to me that, <clears throat> in her earlier years of life that she was not very bold and that she kind of would just kind of sit back and, and just kind of spectate things, even if she thought that they were wrong. But she, she taught me, um, I, heard, I can hear my mom's voice right now. She would say, you know, that's not right. And she would just stand up. And I really believe that she possesses the heart of the father on many situations when injustice is being done. We see in Isaiah um, chapter 1, verse 17, it says, Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. And I've seen my mom do that time and time again, even in her place of work when people are being mistreated. She's the first one to kind of stand up and, and say, you know, this is not right. This needs to stop. And uh, just bringing awareness a lot of times to people that sometimes don't even know um, what's going on. And I've seen that in my own life, too. She used to tell me, you know, it's okay. You'll, when, you get, when you have kids, you'll start to be a little bit bolder because you have to defend your kids. And I'd say I'm, like, I'm getting there um, with my kids for sure. But still now, like, I was joking with somebody a while back. One time I was getting a pedicure, and this lady was using that, like, sugar scrub on my legs, and it hurt so bad. And on the inside, I was like, I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying. And I sat there and I said nothing because I'm that non-confrontational. And I left and I had like hives all over my legs. I don't know how. She just didn't stop and like ask me. But I was just not saying anything. So, But anyways, I, I find that I am doing that as well. And, and my mom, has. she also says that the older you get, the bolder you get. And I don't know if that's because you kind of just stop caring. You know, you kind of realize it doesn't matter what somebody else thinks. 
But, you know, she just told me, you know, you just start to realize that there's no reason to not speak up. There's no reason to not say something. And so she even does that now. She's been at the same job, um, I think, for like 26, 27 years now. She's about to retire. And um, she'll tell me that even at work now, she'll just pray for her coworkers and, and stuff. She's like, oh, well, you know, what, what are they going to do? You know, so she's definitely um, stands up and, and has the confidence to, to be um, a, a voice of Jesus, even in her workplace. And I just think that's so amazing. <clears throat> We also see in, in Luke chapter 13 and verse 34 when Jesus is talking to um, Jerusalem and just to the crowds, he says, How often I longed to gather you like children as hens gather her chicks under the wings, but you were not willing. And I was like, reading that scripture comes to mind often because I think it's so cool uh, when Jesus relates things in scripture to plain things that we actually understand. I was talking to Josh about this the other day. I said, I think a lot of times we just. We don't get it because it's not, it doesn't compute in our earthly minds. Like we literally cannot grasp, you know, like eternity or whatever it might be. And so it's, I love when Jesus does this. He's like, you know, like a hen. You know, we had some friends that we went and visited a couple years ago and they had some chickens. Now it's common for a lot of people to do that. But there was this bird, like a hawk or something circling around and that mama hen got all those little chicks under her wings. And I was like, it really happens? Like, (laughs) I was like, wow, that's in the Bible, you know? And so it's just so cool that, you know, Jesus knows where we're at and knows how we need to understand things. And he puts it on our level where it totally makes sense. And so, you know, that's another sign of just safety and protection. And and those who are defenseless, you know, it's Jesus is saying that that's his desire for us is to protect us when we're defenseless. And so I just think that, you know, it's just so amazing that, that just like mother hens, exactly what it says, just as a mom would do anything to protect her children. That's the same way that Jesus feels towards us, which is pretty, pretty cool. So the second thing is walk in forgiveness. And one instance is partic- in particular, I had already shared with you guys that my parents um, divorced when I was real young. And um, this, when I think about forgiveness, um, and this is actually really cool because I heard this story um, from my father's point of view um, years later. And so it's just really cool to even hear how it affected him. But um, so my father was really um, back on child support, like really bad, like he didn't pay it at all. And um, he got remarried after he left my mom and they had a baby and the baby had a lot of um, problems, just real colicky, just cried all the time. And um, so they went to court because he owed her so much back child support for the three of us. And there in the court, um, the only way that you can get out of child support, even if you, if you might not know this, if you've um, file bankruptcy. You can't get out of child support. They don't erase that. And they don't erase um, student loans from the government. So there is literally no way to get out of back child support with one exception. And that is if the mother of your children pardons you. And so my dad owed my mom thousands of dollars and she struggled as a single mom to just make ends meet. And here she had, you know, like a shiny, you know, check in front of her that, that she could have made him pay her rightfully. He owed her that money and she decided to pardon him. And she chose to give grace even when the law was requiring the opposite. The law was on her side and she still choose, uh, chose to extend the grace there. And I think that is so much the heart of the father that, you know, we see that um, in John 1, 17, when it says that the law came through Moses, but grace came through Jesus. And that was the whole reason that he came was because the law was not effective. You know, it wasn't doing anything good. And so Jesus came to, to flip the switch and to say that, that grace was better than the law, that, you know, that, that, that that could be a better fulfillment of its purposes. And so, you know, my mom had more 
than enough growing up uh, in those first years were rough. Um, but I had all kinds of things. I was, my parents still, sometimes they stress about money and I'm like, you guys are so silly. Like we had everything that we needed. You know, God has provided so much. You guys have been so faithful to the Lord and he's been faithful to you. And I just really feel like even that right there, that her laying down, um, just the opportunity to take. And she was, she gave that God has just always provided for all of their needs. And so I just think that's so, so cool. And, you know, forgiveness and reconciliation are always the heart of the Father. My mom and my dad, they don't really have a relation, like a good relationship. Um, but there was definitely, I think that day right there, it showed um, my father that my mom could have been vindictive because, you know, like I said, he left her. Um, but she chose still to exemplify the heart of the Father and to show grace. And I think that's just pretty amazing. So we see in Ephesians 4, chapter 31 and 32, it says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. And I, when I read that scripture, you know, the, the last part of it is really what sticks out to me because I think it's so hard for us sometimes um, to walk in forgiveness towards somebody, especially if they really did us dirty. You know what I'm saying? Like, the, you, you have your list, and even when you would share that list with people, they're like, yeah, justifiably, you have reasons to be mad. Like, you, you have, you know, your list. But if we look at that last part of the scripture and we're really honest with ourselves, we all know our deepest, darkest sins. Even if nobody else ever found out, we know what we've done. And we know that Jesus has forgiven us for all of that. And we are in right standing with him. And, you know, it's, it's saying just as Christ forgave you, that's the, the same amount of forgiveness that we should offer to other people. And it's hard because Jesus, you know, is perfect and his ways are perfect, but it's, it, it's pushing us to this. It's saying you should forgive just as, as Christ forgave you. And it even goes even farther in Matthew six fifteen, and it says that we can't be forgiven if we don't forgive others. I remember one time, I don't even remember who was speaking or what, but it, I think it was when I was like a late teens, maybe early twenties. And I remember somebody preaching. It might've been Josh Brown. I don't know. I've heard him preach a thousand and four times, but um, they said, you know, there's one thing that can keep you out of heaven. And I was like, what? what is it? You know, not accepting Jesus. You know, I'm like all curious. And they said, not forgiving others. Because what gets you into heaven is that you've accepted the forgiveness. You're trading what you have done for Jesus' righteousness. So if you are holding on to unforgiveness against other people, you are saying that what Jesus forgave you of is not good enough. And you come into heaven and you're like, I'm here, Jesus. I, I loved you. I prayed for you. You know, I prayed to you. I healed people, blah, blah, blah. And then he's going to look at you and say, but you have unforgiveness for all these other people. And I was like, what? Wow. So that's truly sobering that, that we don't want to prevent ourselves from an eternity with Jesus because of something somebody else did to us when we know what God's forgiven us for. So I just want to encourage you guys in that to not hold on to unforgiveness. It's really ultimately in the end, it's going to rob from you and not from anybody else. I promise. So because of that, because of her multiple heart and forgiveness, that kind of leads to the next point. And uh, the, the last thing is to love like Jesus. And so my mom taught me that you can just about be friends with anyone. In particular, one of my mom's best friends is my father, her husband's ex-wife, which sounds kind of funny. A lot of people, when I tell them, they're like, what, is, what are you talking about? But I'm pretty sure they knew each other before my mom um, and my stepdad started dating, but I was so young, so I'm not exactly sure the timeline there. But 
they are so close, and I saw this as I was growing up, that I actually call her my stepmom. She's my stepsister's mom, but I, but I have a better relationship with her than I even had with my own stepmom when my father remarried. But um, it's just really cool just to see, you know, that relationship. They were both Christians. We all went to the same church together. Um, she was in my wedding, my, my stepmom. And we adopted her mom as our grandma. I didn't have any living grandma, so I adopted her. She was Grandma B. She was in our wedding. She gave us some family heirlooms. Josh, she asked that Josh would do her funeral and that I would sing at her funeral. And so it's just, we had a whole other side of a family because my mom chose to love like Jesus. And so now um, her name is Pat. She's now remarried as well. And um, the four of them do things together, like go on cruises together. They go to dinner together. They are on the same square dancing team. I almost got like a video of my mom's square dancing because it's the best thing in the world. It's so cute. She has like the petticoat and she's like, <laughs> and like the guy's like, swing your barnard door to It's the best thing in the world. And they only started doing it like a few years ago when they were older. They just wanted to have something fun to do. So there's, a, there's another little lesson. Don't ever think you're too old to start doing something new. Um, but anyways, so most people think it's crazy that they hang out together. Um, but you know, I just think it's really very Christ-like. I think that, you know, that it's literally the opposite of what the world is teaching us today. And, and most things that are Christ-like are opposite of what the world's teaching today. But I remember multiple Christmases, probably when I was like in my early teens or so, where my stepsister's mom, my stepmom, um, when she was still single at the time, she was at our home on Christmas morning because instead of her being by herself and then our, the, my stepsister being with us, they just invited her over. And she was, it was our family Christmas. It was the six of us and my stepmom and my parents bought her gifts. And I mean, she was, it was not like odd. It wasn't like that she shouldn't be there. She was part of our family. And on occasion, on occasion, my mom and, and, and Pat even will joke about things that my dad does like, Oh, does he still do this with the toothpaste? You know? And I just sit there and I just think it's hilarious. And my dad, poor thing, he just kind of rolls his eyes and he'll probably have a word or two with Jesus about that when he gets to heaven. Like, this isn't a funny joke. You know, maybe he'll have an extra crown, uh, an extra jewel on his crown or or two, if you know what I'm saying. But um, anyways, I just think it's amazing that part of my upbringing, part of my life was just seeing that you can get past hurt. You can get past heartache. You can get past divorce. You can get past, you know, turmoil. And if you just extend love like Jesus does, that he can bring this new beautiful picture that you could never, ever imagine. And so, you know, we see in John uh, 13 and verse 34 and 35, where he's telling his disciples that they need to love one another. And it even says that the world will know that we are Christians by our love. And I feel like in this day and age with social media and, and all this stuff going on, that I feel like more than ever Christians are being labeled as haters, as people full of hate, you know, against certain things or certain lifestyles. And, and overall, we know as a body of Christ that that's not true. You know, when people post things like, all Christians are this way, and I'm like, no, no, we're not, you know. But you know, it's, it's the rotten apples that get the attention or the, the ones that spoil everything. But, you know, it needs to be a reminder of us that if that is the portrayal that people do have of Christians or as a church, are we doing enough to love like the, the word encourages us to, that they would know that we are Christians, not by what we stand against, but by the love that we offer to each other. And so, you know, I just want to encourage you guys in that, that, that you can, you can um, love 
like Jesus loves, and it will literally change your atmosphere. It'll change um, everywhere you go. It'll change. It'll change the relationships that can come forth in your life. So I just want to encourage you in that. But you know, if we can be accused of anything as Christians, let it be that we're too loving. That would be a that would be a a wonderful thing to be accused of. But one of the last things that I wanted to speak on this morning, and it's actually our very own Dina, which I'm not, she might be with the kiddos. Um, she said this to me just kind of in passing a while ago, and uh, we were talking about, or it might have been at the ladies' prayer, I can't remember, but she was kind of sharing um, just a prayer request for family. They were going to travel, travel, or family was coming for a holiday or something. But, you know, she was saying that even in strained relationships, even sometimes strained relationships in our family, um, that we feel, again, we feel justified. We have our list of why they wronged us and why we're the right one and all this. But, you know, the Bible tells us not only to love each other, like, you know, they'll know we're Christians by our love, but there's even scripture that says to love your enemies. So even if you think of people as your enemy, the Bible still tells you to love them. So there's really no justifying ever getting out of treating people without the love of God, without a love of Christ. So I just, I just think that that is so important that and it's so funny that she just said it so nonchalantly, but it's just stuck with me. We're supposed to love, you know, love our neighbor as ourselves. The world is supposed to know us by our love, and we're even supposed to love our enemies. So there's really no, there's no way that you can come back and say, well, this person did this. And, you know, so I'm just going to point back to the word. I'm going to say, you know, there's no, there's no way. Pull, pull the scripture out and see which one you're going to try to justify to, to not love this person. So in that, I just want to close today by just praying for the mothers. I know that there is an endless job. I saw a meme uh, this week, and it said, for Mother's Day, we decided to hire people to do all the jobs that she did. And it was like a cook, a teacher, a nurse. Like, it was like, it was a cartoon. But it was like all these people. And then the dad was like, oh. But, um, you know, it's so true. There's, there's, there's just an endless job for mothers, whether you're, whether you're a working mother or whether you're a stay-at-home mother or whether you're a retired mother or whether you're a grandmother. There's just always um, something for you to do. There's always something that um, you're, you're emotionally or, or um, prayerfully tied up in with your children. So I just wanted to pray for the mothers this morning. 